previously on the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. Let's let's hit a segment that we're calling. Uh, this is a three-part segment, uh, and we've got rant du jour, thumbs up, and what? And now the thrilling conclusion of our three-part segment as we ponder the purpose of Fat Bike Championships, and then we talk about some things we like. Coming at you pre-recorded over the internet from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My name is Matteo. This is the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. And I'm joined by Greg. Say hi, Greg. Hey, Matteo. Hey, Greg. Matteo, I believe you stumbled across something rather uh, interesting slash wuh-inducing today. <laughs> what? Uh, would, you, would you mind sharing what it is? I will. I was keeping an eye on the news that USAC was publishing. Because I'm trying to figure out where the track cycling national championships are going to be next year. They changed it around. They're going all over the country. Yeah, that's why. You know, I'm trying to make plans for next August. Um, They've been shifting around track nats. And so keeping an eye on on what's going on so that I can make plans for a year from now. And so USAC publishes uh, its 2015 national championship calendar. And tucked away in you know the third paragraph there is february a dry month for national championships will be livened up with the addition of the first usa cycling fat bike national championships as usa cycling adds one of the hottest trends in cycling to its national calendar the inaugural event will be held in ogden utah and will feature plenty of snow mud and big tires. What? Now, 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 <laughs> now, can I jump in on this? Because cause I, I really want to pull something out in particular about this. Uh, where it says, February, normally a dry month for national championships. I was not aware that this was a problem. <laughs> this was really not on my radar. You know what? We've got national championships in May, in June, in July, in August. I don't know what months we have them in, honestly. But February, uh, there's a real hole in the calendar there. <laughs> you know, I've never really felt that way. So th- that's one thing. Uh, I suppose that's kind of a minor issue because, you know, there's people out there doing things that I don't do, like the BMX. That looks cool. And, you know, as long as you're doing the old man thing. Oh, the, the kids BMX, with the BMX, and, yeah. And the mountain biking and, and all that. <laughs> but I don't – the thing that really gets me about this that makes me really confused is – I don't really think fat bikes are a discipline of cycling, right? Absolutely. This, this to me, this sounds like like what if you had a touring bike national championships? That's that's not a type of race. Like, yes, you can race fat bikes, and people do race fat bikes, and there are fat bike races, kind of. But but it's not like there is an agreement on what constitutes a fat bike race. Well, right, exactly. That's that's what I was going to say. Is is what is what is fat bike racing? Like, what does that mean? Because a, a fat bike is a kind of bike, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a, a cross country mountain bike racing is not cross country mountain bike racing because you ride a cross country bike. Right. It's it's because of the kind of courses 
yeah. uh, that you have with it. And, and as, as it happens, that dictates a particular kind of equipment. But you can, you can enter a cross-country race on, you know, whatever the hell kind of bike you want, right? And that's the, the well, not quite, not literally, but pretty close to that. Like, uh, I, I don't know what the UCI rules or what the USAC rules on, on uh, bicycles are exactly for mountain bike racing or even imprecisely what they are. But, uh, you know, you, you could enter in a, on a downhill bike. You know, they're not like, oh, you can only have X amount of suspension travel. So I don't really get it. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me other than to try and cash in on the fact that apparently fat bikes are this big new thing. I mean, as, as they um, say in their release, it's one of the hottest trends in cycling. And they are, you know, holding an event that presumably costs a fair penny to register for during a dry month for national championships. You know, this, unfor- unfortunately, yeah. it, it speaks volumes that, that USA Cycling is trying to cash in on something that while it might not be a flash in the pan it it is only uh starting to flash or just starting to smolder or, or something you know sure this is not well but even then i think that part of it is like i don't know to me i think part of the what uh usa cycling is seen here is that usa cycling is based in colorado mm-hmm. <laughs> where they get lots of snow uh and I actually do. I actually have seen people in the Boston area with fat bikes. I have to wonder why, other than that they're the new hotness. Um, but you know, I mean, to each, you know, it, you know, it's a free country. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to propose any law that that someone can only buy a certain kind of mountain bike. I I have nothing against fat bikes. I'm just saying I I don't really sure how hot it really is, other than among people who are wanting to go out and ride on like snowmobile trails. Right. You know, in Alaska and, or whatever. You know, I, I, so I, I live know. in Minnesota. It is very you know, strange. So many people have fat bikes because in the winter, which is like thirty months out of the year, the the you know the trails are covered in yeah. snow, and it's probably twelve prob- months a year, and thirty yeah. of them are winter. Yeah. Um, and it's probably a lot better on a fat bike than than sinking in on a cross bike or you know various forms of foundering on a on a. a skinny tire mountain bike i don't know what do you call normies when fat bikes exist <laughs> i yeah I don't, I don't even i don't even know <laughs> yeah well it's 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 funny too because the reason that fat bikes exist is well partly because of this just general like oh i want to ride my bike in really deep stuff but you know there are actually events that have existed for decades that people were you know home building before uh kind of mainstream fat bikes mm-hmm took hold uh these events people were building sort of custom one-off bikes with you know parts from who who the hell knows where they got those tires maybe they handmade them you know in your garages <laughs> i don't know but sewing two other tires but you have together. like the idea yeah yeah you have like the idea to bike and i know there's some some races like that in minnesota which is part of why surly uh decided to make the the pugsley is they were seen events like that and you know they're based in minnesota of mm-hmm. course in minneapolis just like minnesota. <laughs> um, and they're all best friends and they <laughs> hang out and drink beer together no i don't know but that that presumably is is why fat bikes exist so it seems kind of weird to be <laughs> you know, there's something a little funny about it be like well fat bikes are a real thing perhaps we better get some some registration fees from but yeah you know that's and that's that's as a cash in as a cash in it doesn't even make sense because you know it doesn't I don't know. I assume that I assume the USA Cycling makes money on its events 
um, but it is weird. It's, it's not like USA Cycling not, is going to be Scrooge McDuck like, diving to... into a vault full of gold coins as a result of the Fat Bike right. Championships, but uh, we right. we hope, right? We what hope. You, let's let's not make this. Into, what are you guys doing with my thirty know, bucks for a Tuesday night crit anyway? <laughs> yeah. Haha, with the insurance money <laughs> that we are collecting, we are going to make giant pools. Of Those money fools. We told them they were insured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright. Alright, so I don't know. There's probably not a whole lot to say on that, other than that that was very, very peculiar, and we'll see how it goes. And maybe it'll be a phenomenal success and uh, before we know it, there'll be world championships. Though, actually, it, it does uh, it does bring to mind like the single speed world championships, right? Where, the, but but that's a that seems like a different kettle of fish. It, uh, because the single speed world championships was you know established for a long time. You know, I mean, it, it's it's right. because it's a grassroots thing, and because it's not. Hey guys, now we have this. Yeah, yeah, and you know, USA Cycling is just going to take. Uh, the money and use it you know to develop more uh more juniors who are gonna grow up into senior bike races who go over and lose big stage races in europe <laughs> so because <laughs> that's what usa cycling does the heroes in europe that's their uh that's their that's strategy true. um yeah. and not cyclocross which they right. hate uh <laughs> from what i can tell but anyway all right so yeah probably uh any last words on the on the world i you know i i i I may it might be possible that you know 10 years from now we listen to this again and we say wow we were on the wrong side of history there and i i keep an open mind but i i remain surprised to have seen that earlier today yeah um so i'm gonna i'm gonna take a hard turn i'm gonna ask you a quick question sure what is the best piece of cycling clothing that you have that's easy. That is that is a, a really easy question for me to answer. I have uh, a pair of Endura uh, Road Overshoes. Mm-hmm. They are waterproof booties, basically winter booties. They are um, this thick insulated um, inside, and they're coated in black neoprene. They are heinously ugly. <laughs> they are hopelessly dorky um you look super slow and goofy with these things on but they are amazing uh there are and and they're indestructible most booties just fall apart um Mm -hmm. you know after a couple seasons i've had these things for four seasons (laughs) i tore a hole in them at the end of last winter i I, uh fell over (laughs) at a stoplight like a, a dummy not while not while coming to a stop while starting up uh which is i was turning left and i pulled my front wheel out from under me it was quite something i tore a hole in and i said oh no i might have to buy new overshoes uh and then i slapped a piece of duct tape on it uh <laughs> and it looks like it's good to go for another winter the working man's honest bicycle program i slapped another piece of duct tape over it and it was good to go for another winter <laughs> yeah that's how it works totally yeah well hey What's what's the best piece of cycling clothing that you have? I have arm warmers made by Search and State, which is a, a small company that uh, kind of goes to make stylish technical cycling apparel. 
and uh, they were a gift from a friend, and they are so soft on the inside, and they're so thin and light, and so perfectly snug-fitting, and when I go outside, somehow, I always feel a little bit chilly at first, and then when I ride, it's amazing. I don't know how it works. It's witchcraft. I never sweat into them. I'm never cold. It's they're they're made out of some like Harry Potter material that is just like impervious to the chill and and perfectly thermoregulating. Listeners should keep in mind that Maddie was not riding in mere, you know, normal winter conditions. <laughs> these Man. are these are Minnesota winters. Well, I should I, well, <laughs> I don't wear, in the winter I'm wearing several other layers, but, uh, you know. Oh, 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 really? There there are these, you know, these autumn days where you go out and you meet your friends at 8 a.m. and the sun is just rising and it's in the 30s, you know, and it's going to get up into the 50s and sunny or the low 60s or something. And you got to figure out what what to wear that can deal with that temperature transition. And and these arm warmers are just like, like the, the nicest and they're just arm warmers, you know, but they're they're so nice. It's crazy. Boy, I might have to look into those. Yeah. I don't my arm warmers are kind of kind of crummy. But yeah, they're anyway. they're also really tight, which is great cuz I have skinny little spaghetti arms like a true petite roadie. Oh, yeah. That's important. It's it's uh I have the same problem actually. <laughs> So I know what you mean. There's that bell curve that we talked about. Right. Hey, uh, another quick question for you. Mm-hmm. What's so? That's your best piece of cycling clothing. What's your favorite piece of bike equipment? That is a really good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about this. You know what? No, I I know the answer, uh, and the answer is, I have a 20 year old track disc wheel. That's a Zip 950. And it's... Oh, wow. It's it's so old that... So I've got... There's track threading on one side, and then there's freewheel yeah. threading on the other side. <laughs> um, so you can use this thing... If you want to do a time trial on the road, just screw a freewheel onto it. If, if I wanted to do, yeah, a, a, a six-speed time trial on the road, I could use it. Um, and obviously it's not the fanciest piece of equipment in the world and I didn't spend much money on it but when I traveled to South Carolina for uh, for some track races in August and when TSA manhandled my bike case and when I got to South Carolina and opened up and realized that there was a big gouge in my disc wheel I wasn't yeah. too worried about it. So I put a <laughs> sticker over it <laughs> and I raced and I came back home and I raced the rest of the track season and I got it fixed from a local carbon repair person at the end of the season. And I, I just like the fact that, <laughs> that, I, you know, it, with the cachet of carbon fiber, you know, that I've got, I've got this piece that was so, overbuilt and was so sort of old and inexpensive but also sort of perfectly functional for what I needed it to do which was to be a rear track tubular wheel uh, 
that yeah. I could I could have it damaged. And you know, when you say carbon fiber and damage in the same sentence, you know, you kind of wonder if it's going to be something break that's down gonna... to a cold sweat. Yeah. Right, right. But I had just no fear whatsoever that there was going to be any kind of a problem with this. WHBP. I put a sticker on it and raced. <laughs> I put some duct tape on it and went out and rode my bike. <laughs> That's how we roll, people. That's how we roll. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so, Greg, what's what's the best piece of equipment that you've got? Oh, that's right. I forgot that I was... That you're going to turn the tables on me. Mm-hmm. This is a difficult question. You know what's funny is... Uh, I, I live in a small place, so I, I'm actually... My bicycles are right behind me. Mm-hmm. So I can look at them and, and see what I think is my favorite piece of equipment. Uh... If, if I had, if I were forced to pick, I would say it's the 3T Rotundo Pro uh, handlebar on my race bike. Hmm. So this is a, yeah, it's, I I want I to emphasize it's a Rotundo Pro. It is the aluminum version mm-hmm. of this handlebar, which is a traditional um, kind of medium to shallow drop round bend handlebar now, i have had see, this i was handlebar. under the impression that the the rotundo pro was a, a fairly deep traditional bend well it depends it, it all depends on what you consider deep yeah um by modern standards it is quite deep uh, quite deep mm-hmm. by old school kind of belgian deep drop standards it is not deep right. if you look there at no, the pictures of like the yeah there are no chinelli among those um i think it actually might be in that kind of range if i okay. remember what that handlebar is correctly like it's, it's more of an italian yeah um style than a belgian style because the belgian style deep drops of like the 60s and 70s were deep they were they yeah. were like 160 millimeters or something crazy like that this is 139 <laughs> for those that care yeah this is really getting deep into the esoterica into the arcana <laughs> um but I've had this I've had this handlebar on my bicycle since 2009, uh, because I love it that much, and it's still trucking, it's still going strong. Uh, I like round handlebars. Yeah. I don't like ergo. I don't like uh, ergo bends. I don't mind the new compact so much, but uh, those weird um, ergo bends I, I don't like. You know, I'm a. So. It's 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 good to hear you say that because I'm a little bit of a, a handlebar diva, and. I'm just I'm always I'm always on the lookout for for bars that that I think are going to be particularly comfortable and yeah I, I I can't really do most of the modern compact variable radius bend bars um, I used to be all traditional drop all the time you know have a handful of Richie WCS classics in my shed yeah. um, and I've shifted a little bit away from that and I I remain you know kind of on the hunt for the the right handlebar that that has sort of a, a traditional drop but has a shifter optimized ramp uh shimano make, or pro makes a bar and head makes a bar and i think richie makes a bar like that now and i, I haven't gotten a chance to try all the ones that i want to but uh i'm i'm pretty finicky about it yeah yeah, it's 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 difficult to be in a picky picky like that. I actually like you know I I, I might not be as picky. I, I need to have that good ramp to the shifter. You know the old school bars just don't work anymore. But 
you know, right. I'm willing to be I'm willing to be flexible. But I I had uh, when I actually built my current race bike, I temporarily abandoned the Rotundo Pro in favor of another. 3T, but this is so dorky. In favor of another 3T bar, the Ergonova, which is more of a compact uh, bend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's nice because it has those flat, uh, the tops of the bar are ovalized, so you, you can kind of comfortably rest your hands there. And I raced with that for a season, and, and ultimately I had to come back to the Rotundo because with these compact bars, when you go into the drops to sprint, like you can't reach the shifters. Right. right. Uh, it's no good. It's no good, so uh, I had to give that up, and, and I decided that this Ergonova is a fantastic cyclocross bar, um, because you know when do you need to to shift in the drops in a cyclocross bike? Almost never. Right. Uh, so that's cool, but for road racing, I'm I don't know about you. Uh, I am in the drops a lot in criteriums in particular. Yeah, I'm a so I'm a big believer that you know when when the going gets hot, the hotter in the drops. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny how the styles have changed over time. You see, you know, you see a lot of people riding exclusively on the hoods these days. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's but a couple things wrong how with I roll. it, but you know, <laughs> there might be. There might be. I'm trying to be generous. I love everybody. Yeah. I just want to, you know, I just I, want to be friends. I I find myself, you know, disagreeing with. With broad scale trends rather than an individual's choices, you know. Sure, sure. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like I'll, I'll. You really like tilting at windmills, don't you? Oh boy, howdy do I! What else is worth tilting at? Uh, yeah, good point. If not broad scale trends, then what? <laughs> you know, let's let's take aim of the things we can't hope to change. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. So I if might it's have not something... ridiculous, it's not worth trying. Yeah. But that's all the time we have for tonight, I think. So, uh, Maddie, why don't you take us out? Put put your conceptual compression socks on and, <laughs> and make yourself some chamomile tea. This has been the Is that another way? The Spicicle Program. Is that another way of saying that it, it's time to end the show, Matteo? It's getting it's getting on bedtime, Greg. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well, for anyone who wants to keep uh, hearing your incisive and, and witty and thoughtful uh, comments on the worlds of cycling uh, and maybe maybe beyond just cycling, where can they find you on the internet? Find me at underscore Matteo, which is a, a Twitter thing, of course. Awesome, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Grolby, G-R-O-L-B-Y, and I also have a website at standarddouble.com, so if you want to check that out, feel free, and thanks for listening.